Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another week of the You Never Studied podcast. Hans here, across the table from my cousin and friend, Evan. Hey, everyone. Welcome. Evan, are you doing okay? I'm doing well. All right. Well, for those of you who are new to the podcast, welcome. Remember, we have a website, youneverstudied.com, where you can catch up on all of our shows, show notes, and resources that we refer to here in this episode. Also, remember, you can always subscribe, like, and share these episodes, which we hope you can do. We're here on a Saturday night because we've been a little busy this week. Yep. And couldn't do it last night because I had to watch the Rockets lose. Yep. Couldn't do um, it the night before because I had an Avengers yeah, uh, so engagement. You're, you're back to it. Saw it a second time, and then it was raining really bad. That's true. <laughs> so it gives us a, it gave us a little bit extra time to try to work through what are we going to talk about this week. And I think we have a good episode for you. We're going to be talking about friendship, theology, and scary movies. Perfect. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. Didn't you know? All right, Evan. So, do you have friends who are males? Yes. How many? Well, the ones sitting across from oh, me. Aww. I, I have a core group of, I don't know, maybe four or five guys. Um, not like like we don't meet as a group. I'm saying there are, there are four or five people. Cigars. Some of them are related to me like you. Others are not. Um, that I um, And then I also have maybe like one dude. Where we can regularly just not talk for, I mean, three, six months, and then just be like, hey, can we can we have a really intense lunch? And then just talk. Then you just yeah. barf on mm-hmm. him. Yeah. yeah, another ministry guy. Okay, great. Yeah. So this actually comes up with an article that I read recently in Harper's Bazaar, which is, of course, a, something I never read. Yeah, didn't even know what that was. I didn't either, yeah. but it popped up on my kind of Google News news sure. feed, and I thought, this has an interesting title. And it was it was basically this. <laughs> it was about toxic masculinity and male friendships and just how in the world things have gone crazy. So it was by a gal named Melanie Hamlet, and she wrote this article, Men Have No Friends and Women Bear the Burden. Right. Right. So I thought to myself, this is something that is rather interesting to me because though though she is kind of writing from her experience and she interviewed some guys for her article, but other than being kind of a uh, comedian, writer, storyteller, like there's not like some some uh, science backed you know thing going on here. Mm-hmm. But I thought I like this article and I think it touches on something important and that's why it kind of Harper's Bazaar grabbed it and gave her some space because she was writing about something that we all deal with. Yes. And so essentially what she's saying is uh, guys don't know how to have friends. Being emotional and feely is a bad thing, and it's viewed as a feminine thing. And so the problem is guys always are um, essentially emotionally just kind of They grow sideways. up believing like they should not only behave like stoic robots in front of other men, but that women are the only people who are allowed to uh, turn to for emotional support. So I thought to myself, yes, yeah, so, so – so, that's, Essentially, what, she's that's going, from the article. You know, women have to then deal with their boyfriends or their fiancés or their husbands not knowing how to have friends and not knowing how to engage men emotionally and that the women wear too much for us. So just at face value, I wonder just very quickly, what do you think about that that general thesis? I mean, I I, I don't know that I have a large enough sample size of unbelieving you Just go with friends. your gut. I mean, I'm sure some of that's true, or, or at least appears true. Okay. Um, so I know that that's equivocating a lot. But, I, you know, I, I read this article and definitely thought, this makes sense from a secular worldview on how yeah. things feel. Like, I, I, I would... Un- and I do think that there has been a... There is a... Culture in um, men or boys transitioning to men now... That Menness. is, yeah, manness. That is maybe a little 
less transitiony uh, to like people stay boys longer. Okay, okay. And they don't and they don't know how to do life. Yeah. Very well. So I, she did. She she had this being quote really she, eloquent tonight. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> um, I'm feeling it. I'm really feeling it. Sorry. So uh, we, once you get to your book, you're going to crush it. I know. Uh, hi, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. All right, so in this paragraph, she doesn't do the research herself, but she does do some interviews for the article just kind of qualitatively, and then she cites some research, yeah. and this is what she says. Uh, the statistics are bleak. 5% of men seek outpatient mental health services despite feeling lonelier than ever before. In a recent British study, she says 2.5 million men admitted to having no close friends. Now, you know, fact check Hans, I didn't read these studies, so I'm just quoting her quoting the studies. Right. I didn't want to. Uh, what's more, men, what's more is men conceal pain and illness at a much higher rate than women and are three times more likely to die from suicide. Then she goes uh, – racially, she goes black men face an added set of barriers sure. including systemic discrimination, racial stereotypes, cultural stigma against mental illness. So what then is a man to do when he needs honest, unbiased support from someone other than his partner – but is willing or un- unwilling or unable to try therapy. He talks about men's support yeah, groups. Yeah, men's support groups. So what what is a man to do? And I read this, I thought, I have some pretty good male friends. Yeah. Like I I don't I don't feel like Courtney has to get the worst of me trying yeah, to me, process me life. Neither. Um and that I'm praise God for that because that would be I don't think she would be able to handle me being worse well, than Well and I that am. seems to be kind of the perspective that this article is is written about like I'm so sick of my you know significant others not being able to do life well. I got the 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 vibe that that's almost what it was. They talked about men don't usually put into the effort to maintaining friendships once they're married. Uh the guys are the only people uh uh the guys at work are the only people other than me that my husband even talks to. You know that 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 kind of thing. So there there was this, and I'm like, man, I, you know, I guess my life is different. It and, is different, yeah. but I still think the problem is real. And I do yeah. see, like, I I see guys struggling to have good friendships. Yeah, even in the church world, like that, like they have like ministry friendships, right? Like they have people they'll talk to about like church stuff, but they don't have people who know them and care for them. And I thought also about that is that as you age, it becomes more difficult to keep good friendships. You go, oh well, you know, like my best friend is my spouse. I get the line, but I also go. You need to have other friends. Like yeah, you, you shouldn't only have like, one friend. You need to have people who care about you and know you and and then can actually, in a sense, relieve some of the pressure that your spouse might be feeling about how much you, you need emotionally because you're not processing life with other people that the Lord has given to you. Uh, so I kicked this article to my friend Bart. Bart yeah. is a professor of sociology. His, his quotes were great. <clears throat> yeah, so I said, Bart, uh, here's an article I just read. I know nothing about it, but could you – I asked him actually to define toxic masculinity for me because I've heard it in kind of culture sure. speak. Yeah, it's become a new um, buzzword. And, but I was like, I don't really know. And he's going to use a word I don't know how to pronounce right. Uh, but he says, okay. He goes, there's a ton of stuff on this topic of toxic ma- masculinity. He goes, typically the academic speak, which is almost always or most often coming from a feminist perspective, uses – oh, did I say Bart was a sociology professor? Yes. Okay, good. Well, he is, uh, which is coming from a feminist perspective, uses hegemonic – did I say that right, Evan? Right, it sounds right. Yeah, hegemonic. Hey, 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 Masculinity or hyper-masculinity to emphasize men's emotional standing and prone to risk-taking, competitive, and often alienating behavior. Yep. He goes. I don't think you'd find much in the ac- academic realm you'd want to read, and he gives because you were asking why. about you were asking him how if there was I, something else. How could I learn about what this is and yeah. what this is saying? Because it's kind of making some stands and against men. He was men. like, "There isn't anything that you're going to find that's valuable." Yeah, because of the perspective from which it's it's written. But then he goes, "I agree with the need." Yeah. 
Um, now, right, Bart's a believer. He's coming from a perspective of a Christian who's right. also a sociologist. Yeah. And he goes, I think it's the result of pride and independence getting in the way of humble submission and desire for healthy fellowship. Um, he goes, the feminists found the problem too, right? So he's not he's – they, di- they diagnosed it, but they don't have yeah, the right prescription. Because they're, yeah. adding, they're, they're looking to the wrong explanations and right. answers. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that that makes a lot of sense. And so taking what Bart said, because I thought, okay, this is the cool thing. When you ask people who actually know the terminology and the ideas behind the thing that kind of resonates with you, you go, this resonates with me, but I'm not sure why. I'm bugged for a metaphorical reason, to quote mm-hmm. David Wilcox, right. right? You go, Train. It's a good band. Yeah. All right. So you go, hey, help me understand what this means. And then Bart gives me a, well, let me just connect a couple of dots for you because he has all of this brain behind yeah, him. Yeah, he's got, he's got a bunch but of he's, the research. Speaking his from mind. his perspective, I thought to myself, okay, I think in large part what's, what is being said could be true is that men struggle to have good and meaningful friendships. So then I want to kick it to you, Evan, and just go – what should, if anything, and I, I'm sure there is an answer to this, but what should the church, the local church, do about providing places for men to have meaningful relationships? Well, I think I think local church always can provide different types of constructs, different types of ministries that 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 give that. Whether that be you know small group type ministries, community groups that a lot of churches, uh, including ours, we have life groups. Y'all have community groups, what y'all are called. And a lot of those will break up, guys and girls, and you yeah. can foster you know, time there. That can be intentional for building relationships, things like that. But again, that can also not be. You can just be open Absolutely. Bible and, and silo off and not really talk about anything except you know whatever's going on with work. So there, there, there does need to be a deeper – you're not going to do that. You're not going to fall into this, or at least not, not typically, right. not unless no, you're really outgoing. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and if you're really outgoing, then you probably don't have this problem. I, 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 and maybe that's, maybe that's where I'm at with this is I'm, I'm a pretty outgoing guy. And if I want to talk to mm-hmm. somebody, I can probably find somebody to talk to. And, and I don't, I don't know. This is, this is somewhat tangential, but I think guys often will, will have their guy to talk to about serious stuff. And then maybe a guy to talk to about hobbies. And then mm. maybe a guy to talk to about, you know, other sort of ministry idea, like yeah. the professional okay. things. So that for me, that's my job. So I, I have like buckets like I have a, a guys that I can talk to about the new Star Wars trailer th- that Me. are not you. <laughs> I, have, I appreciate but, all those chats we have but, about it. But I have I you you kind of exist in two buckets. I can talk to you about personal stuff. You're not necessarily my my main go to guy to do that, but I can. You you I, you're a very trustworthy person to talk to, and you usually have good things to say. And then I can obviously talk to you about ministry stuff because we've both done it together and apart, and mm-hmm. have a lot of um you know personal experience between the two of us. And so I think it you also need to. Go. What kind? What's missing? Guys need to be able to diagnose that a little yeah. bit, and 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 we as pastors need to help guys diagnose that. Not always just look through spiritual lenses, because it may not even be like, you know, like when I meet one on one, you know, with you or whatever, it's great. But you know, like I'm lonely, or yeah, and I'm like, well, what do you like to do? You know, and it's like, well, I don't just like to open my Bible and read it with you. That's great, and and holding each other accountable. But I really love to go hunting. I'm like, well, you need to find somebody to go hunting with. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be able to do that for you because that that's not enjoyable to me. But we we had our you first, always look like a hunter. We we had our first men's conference uh, that met here. We've had men's retreats and stuff at, at TBC for years, but last last year we had a men's conference, and it was really cool. 
because we did um, excursions. Like you could pick okay. in the middle of the day just things you wanted to go do. Yeah. Um, and it got kind of rainy, so like it, it wasn't <laughs> as great as we wanted it to Run be. Run in the rain. But like the A&M game was on, so a bunch of people just stayed back to watch the A&M game. That made sense. But if you wanted to go fish or if you wanted to go skeet shoot, like those were those were options. You wanted to go play disc golf. That was an option. Like there were things Who so people disc could – uh, Ben. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, Ben Ben and Stuart are both – Shout out to Ben. Shout out to, to Ben Haug, friend of the show. Um, but we uh, – yeah, and I went fishing with Marshall. Uh, and and I was the only and I I went and like a fishing license I think is sitting right there I went and got my fishing license and I went just because I wanted to hang out with Marshall and he wanted to do it and he still had his boat which he sold sorry Marshall oh, that's uh, all right no nah, it's okay I, he I think he wanted to sell it I think he's enjoying having not a boat in his garage sure. and money but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but that was a great experience I'm really glad I got to have that you know with Marshall though it was something that almost just valued the relationship more yeah uh than the activity so but doing meaningful activities together mm-hmm. with with people i you need to find ways to you know constructs things that things will, that will allow that and I you see, need to have intentional people i agree with that i'm gonna i'm gonna just not provide a solution but provide a few more thoughts yeah on, on the concept because i think one of the reasons it exists the way that it does in our culture is because of the segmentation of life that exists yes so where you live where you work where your kids go to school and the social things in which you engage, at least here and in most places or many places in North America, specifically like suburban and like metro metro areas like Houston or Dallas or even Baton Rouge, which is like you can live your lives in so many different segments that you can't actually engage the same people in the same way. Right. So you're kind of like, well, I have my church friends and I have my school friends and I have my Little League friends and I have my historic friends that I've had that I graduated from high school with. And you have all of these places where you're trying to seek fellowship from people sure. in, in relationships, but you can't actually engage any of them well. And I think that part part of the reason that this exists is because we've started to live our lives in so many different spaces. Yeah. That we no longer have any kind of way to. We need a Benedict option. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, Good book. But I don't. I don't like that. And this then. And this is what I don't like. And this is where I push back on people that say the church needs to have a better men's ministry or women's ministry, whatever ministry is. They they then take the problem that exists. And I'm like, create a new silo for it. Why don't you fix the problem that I don't have friendships? I'm like because all I'm doing is taking all the people who have segmented lives and putting them in the same space. Yeah. And you still have segmented lives. I've created maybe a couple of experiences. And maybe a new segment even. But yeah, now you're trying to live all those experiences out in a bucket, a different bucket, and that's become that much more difficult. So, for example, one of the things that we try to do is we have community groups. And we have – we're starting to start these little discipleship groups as a, as a church. Yeah. And I'm like, use the people from your community group to be in your discipleship group so that you see the same people multiple times. And like you don't have to go, well, I meet here for these people for community and then I kind of invest in these people over here and then I have worship service over here. I'm like, sit in the worship service with people who you know who are in your community group and then like invest in some in your discipleship group and just be together and try to find as many different and recurring options as you possibly can. Right. I, I that was a uh, I didn't read all of Benedict Option, but that was Dreyer's point, right? I mean, like if if you if the church is the center of your world, not soccer, not school, not not everything else, but if you have a if you have, you know, kind of that at the center, then it, it becomes much easier to orient your life around the same people and not just bounce from silo to silo. I mean, that wasn't his whole point, but that was a point. It is a point, and so I, I just I look at that and go. I think one of the reasons is because people don't know how to just exist within the places God has put them, and they find they, they keep trying to seek new out, like avenues of fellowship and friendship. I buy that, and and they don't know how to like 
they just don't know how to exist. I just go it takes so long for us, you know, North Americans to become real and honest with folks. And I see this all the time. I'm That's like, true. I'm like, you, you just have to exist with people for a long time and you live in such di- segments of your life that you're unable to actually create the amount of quantity time to have significant conversations. Well, and we, and we need to wrap up, but I do one – of, one of the other things that they, that they mentioned in the article, she, she brings up like the cost of therapy and all that kind of stuff. I do think there is something to be said. Sometimes you do need counseling for, for, for something that, that, that's going on where you're like, I don't know that I can just find a friend and then make them my sounding board for everything yeah. that goes on. And and that that is I think in a lot of cultures and a lot of, of to a lot of men that is uh, stigmatized and uh, wrongly I have been to counseling not just marriage counseling personal counseling one on one and I think that, that and I'm bound to not talk and, about what we spoke of in those instances <laughs> thanks, but, thanks counselor Hans yeah. Hans was not my counselor um, you still but, owe me for those two. <laughs> but uh, they were hugely beneficial for me and 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 helped me get tracks to run on to deal with things in my life that I needed to deal with and so I I think that yeah. guys need to be willing to do the hard yeah. work. Of of assessing where they really are emotionally and not just expect a friendship yes, to bail them out. I also say that I go yeah. if you want to if you want good friends you have to be a good friend. Yeah, exactly. And and, and you have to be that first. You yes. can't expect people to be like, well, how come no one's getting to know me? I'm right. like, maybe it's because you really are a jerk. Yeah, and you need to deal with some things emotionally yeah. before people are going to be able to open up to you. That's good. Yeah. And all of this is about how we're trying. I would say as a pastor, how we're trying to help people reflect and grow in the likeness of Jesus. Right? Amen. And so as we do that, um, it it actually moves us right into our next segment because you just read an interesting book about it. So without further ado, ado. again, however you say it, let's get to the next section. Hit the books. All right, Hans. So I read a book. Congratulations. And I say I read it. I seminary read it. Well, about the last third of it because it is a very dense topic. And it's called None Greater, The Undomesticated Attributes of God by Matthew Barrett. What are the domesticated attributes of God? We we don't have time to explain (laughs) those. This is only about the undomesticated (laughs) ones. No, he he talks about that in his thesis. But but Matthew Barrett is a uh, professor – of theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, where Stewart just got his MDiv from. Congratulations, shout, Stewart! Shout out to Senior Pastor. You can now Stewart. be on the podcast because right. you have another degree. <laughs> He's studied enough. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but uh, he he writes a book about God's attributes. These are the character traits sure. that make God God. Okay. And he, and he has this big premise, which is which is basically that you know our churches have a big heart for ministry, but look anemic when trying to explain who God is because we have essentially substituted good doctrine about who God is for just the flavor of the day. Right. And he, and he says that. He says the last two centuries have demonstrated that the modern and postmodern person is quick to substitute a God who is like us, a God we can domesticate. That's there kind of we what he's go. Talking about. Okay, a safe God. Yeah, a safe God for a, for a high view of God affirmed by church fathers like Augustine, Anselm, and Aquinas. Oh, he picked the A's there. Uh, yeah, he, he's a huge, interestingly, he's a huge Anselm fan, which okay. I'm like, not too many shout-outs to medieval <laughs> yeah. Catholic theologians, but he loves him. Uh, and he uses Anselm's uh, quote about uh, about God. He, he's, he calls him, you know, God is someone than whom none greater can be conceived. Yeah. And that's the title of the book, None mm-hmm. Greater. So so that's that's the frame, like the framing of the book. Okay. He's trying to go, look, it, this matters, this kind of doctrine, this understanding of, of who God is, his hugeness, his vastness, his undomesticated attributes. This matters in how we worship him. This matters in how we live our life. So that's the that's the pastoral kind of bent that the book yeah, has. Yeah, good. Now that said, you're still dealing with 
the attributes of God, which if you don't know, those are things like these are all chapter titles, infinitude, simplicity, aseity, immutability, impassibility, eternality, omnipresence, omniscience, omnipotence, omnipotence, yeah, (laughs) omnisapience, that was a new one, omnibenevolence, and then he has a final chapter on God's jealousy. And his and his uh, his jealousy for his glory. Omni jealousy. Omni jealousy. Yeah, there wasn't a cool like omni doxa. And he does a good job of trying to synthesize these ideas in a way that that the reader can understand. But I mean, you know, how does he do? I I just think the topic itself. It, he does as good as he can for what the topic is, okay. and this is lofty stuff. I mean, none greater. We are, and he talks about this is a top-down approach. We're not looking up trying to figure out how God is. I mean, we always are doing that. Sure, but he's trying to go. Okay, let's start at the top. If that's true about God, that there's no one greater than He, how do we go? You know, what would that person be like? Okay, what would that? Okay. what would that being be like? So he approaches it obviously still from a very biblical point of view, but it is philosophical also mm. by nature, which a lot of these, which a lot of these guys are, but. If you're looking for a condensed treatment of attributes of God, this this is a really good one. He has lots of really good ones about um, – I, I put like some markers yeah, in Yeah, I here. was curious if you could just go kind of like in this, what is the attribute or a co- an attribute or two that you were just like, he did this really well. So one of the ones that I, I – so there's a couple that I think are hard just just by what they're talking about by nature. The average you know church layperson might not even think about this, like God's simplicity. Okay. Like the the word simplicity doesn't really you don't really think about right. you're like God is more complicated his ways are not our ways what are you yeah. talking about God's more complex than we could ever imagine sure and what they mean by simplicity is not that they mean that God can't be broken down into like he is one units he is one God is one you know hero Israel the Lord God is one and so like that comes up against like the triune nature of God. So how do we fit simplicity? And he has a really good treatment of Trinity in his chap- chapter on simplicity. He he treats um, the hypostatic union, which is well, fully God. Well, the forward God. was written by, or the intro by, by Fred Sanders, who is like the North American Trinity guy. Yes, right. exactly. Yeah, and and, and th- these guys all rub elbows with each other because they're huge, you know, theologians. Right. And so he talks about the hypostatic union when we're dealing with immutability, like how does God change? And you're like, well... Jesus was fully God and fully man, so the change that ex- Jesus experiences when he dies and all that kind of stuff, that was happening in his human nature, not his divine nature, because he's also fully human and okay. fully divine. So, And then you're talking about the communication of attributes across the nature of, you know, it's like you just, like, you're, you go cross-eyed yeah. quick just by virtue of what you're talking about. That said, he does do it with as, as helpful of a language as he can. He talks okay. about um, when we deal with this stuff that all theology is basically – it, it can't be he used the words um univocal equivocal and uh and then equivocal uh, uh, equivocal yeah equ- equivocal or um duovocal uh no analogical is the third one okay. and he goes everything has to be analogical we have to say this is like this right. we have to approximate it but we are going to try and speak as as closely to it as we can we're not going to equivocate to the point where nothing is anything sure. you know and we're not going to and we're not going to say this is definitely this because even language is a created thing right. trying to so again big concepts but if you do it here's what i would suggest don't read the book like i did which is like in a week trying to get all of the points but just pick up a chapter read a chapter in a week go go slow through this book and i think you would get a lot out of it if you want to dig deeper into god's attributes so that was my question if you have somebody who's maybe a young believer and they go evan i'd really like to learn more about god like when does this book show up in kind of the march of discipleship like does it is it you know yeah, the not second year. Yeah, yeah. This is this is like a three thousand level class. Uh, no, I don't, <laughs> this is an LSU joke. I don't even well, know because yeah. I, I would go with books like that. You know, I kind of go. There's so much that it assumes you might know, right? Like so. So it's probably not remedial when you're. It's talking. not remedial, but I, but I do think 
you could, if you have a decent hold of your Bible, maybe okay. maybe point pointed that way, this answers some questions that you come across in your Bible when you go, wait, how does God regret something? I thought yes. he was sovereign. So if you want answers to those kinds of questions, okay. this is a really good book for you. Okay. But you might need a Sherpa. Like you might need a guide, somebody that can point you to, well, you should just read this chapter. Or so, Great. So, so if you have a pastor or you have you know, somebody that you kind of look up to theologically and you, and you are a relatively young believer, go through this book together. That would be yeah. a suggestion that I and would And everybody say. listening who knows Evan, ask them him to take you through it. Uh, you could, and I would love to do that. And I do think you would get a lot out of it. But it, it's, it's dense. Talk so about that, Bible Church, men's Bible study on the attributes <laughs> of friendship and God's none greater. Perfect. We'll do, we'll do that. Uh, Genesis Here's what I want combining. To know. <laughs> yeah. With <laughs> Here's what I want to know. Last question. Yes. Do you think he's a fan of scary movies? I doubt it. Okay. Well, he, he read Calvin's Institutes like in one sitting. Probably. So, Cited I mean, that I amount of time. He probably for, didn't. He's like That's for not our next segment then, which is study break. It always seems to fall to me for the for the brainless part of the. No, no, no! It's totally brain. It's <laughs> it's brain full. And you just have more to say about these kinds of things. But there's a new trailer out. Yes, it chapter two. Yes, right. And you saw chapter. You saw chapter one. I did. So I it, saw chapter one. It come the remake. Yes, the re- the remake. We, remake. we we grew up in wa- watching the '90s, or I shouldn't say watching. I remember watching the '90s like miniseries yes. at your house. Yeah. As a kid, Tim Curry. Yeah, he's terrifying. He I mean, that, that was it. that was a made for TV. So is you know, and a good n- hotel bellman, yeah. bellhop Not, guy. Oh, in Home Alone too. Yeah. Yes, yeah, um, and could have been a good Grinch, but missed opportunity there. Mm. Um, but anyway, I, I I have childhood memories of like childhood trauma. You're from welcome. watching Poltergeist, yeah, Poltergeist it. and it at your house. I think my, my mom was always cool with me watching yeah. scary movies. Sometimes they come back. We watched yeah. that. Uh, that uh, if Stephen she King liked one. it, it was cool by yeah. her. So, uh, but I, I think I mean like pour uh, one out, yeah, pour one, pour one out for Aunt Jan. But I do think I my love of horror might come from there a little bit. Um, and it's funny because I think we've changed. Like scary, I try to stay away. Yeah, from. Yeah, you don't love scary stuff. And you're, you're but you you, okay you have a it. little bit of a tether to it because I have, of that. I have an yeah. emotional connection to to the movie, and yeah. I'm a King fan. Like I like yeah. Stephen King, and so uh, as a writer, now I've read a lot of his books, and I'm like, oh, he's a really good writer, and so I right. like seeing his stories translated. So you I, watched? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no. So I uh, I uh, I watched Castle Rock as well, which is on Hulu. Is a cool show that takes place in the Shawshank Redemption town. Okay. But is set in the Stephen King thing. And that actor that plays Pennywise is in that show as well as a different character who's still bad and still scary. And it's awesome. And so he's like, yeah, anything Stephen King, I'll just do it. That's Stellan Skarsgård. He's awesome. So it comes out. I mean, the movie comes out in September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just want to know, as you saw the trailer for the first time this past week, what did you think? I thought the trailer was genuinely scary, just yeah. like I thought the trailer for. And chapter one was scary. Chapter one was not as scary as I as I thought it was going to be. But it was still very scary. I liked chapter one, um, and I'm and that had a little bit of a Goonies feel mm-hmm, to it mm-hmm. as well. They said they moved up the timeline. It was like in the '60s and then in the '80s, and now it's in like the '80s and it's now. Which I don't know how that time jump. That's not the same, but yeah. whatever. <laughs> hey, movies. Just go with it. Yeah, yeah, just going with it. So like '80s kids. Now they're all middle aged people, and and the cat, the adult cast is stellar. Stellar. Right? Yeah. I mean, um, Bill Hader has had. I mean, when, when he was cast, he was pre-Barry on HBO, and now everybody loves Barry on yeah. HBO, which is him in a, a dramatic role. Peter McAvoy. And then McAvoy. Jessica Chastain. And I love, and Jessica Chastain. And then, yeah, some other people that I, I don't know or recognize, but those are the main three right. characters from the from the first 
uh, you know, film aged up. And so, yeah, it looked genuinely scary. That opening scene with uh, whatever she is, like witch or whatever creepy she lady. Be, creepy lady. I think she's a witch in the books. Um, and she, that scene's not in the miniseries. There's going to be a lot of stuff that I don't know because I've not read the books, and my only frame of reference is the miniseries. And so it'll be different. So it's going to be different. So that's the other thing. I'm going in kind of knowing an yeah. outline, but it's going to be scary just because I don't really know what's around the corner. So I, not being a scary movie guy, I saw it. And I just thought this, this was really freaky but not the freakier like oh i don't want to go near it it's like yeah oh i'm kind of drawn in now so i feel like you have two categories of movie right uh, maybe three but the two that i think of and i think of you is that's a movie i want to see in the theater uh-huh. or that's a movie i'll see on my tv when it you yeah. know, is released yeah what category does it chapter two fall into for you i saw chapter one in the theater with my dad and zach okay so that one you think was. This is going to be a repeat visit. Yeah, Andrea won't see it with me, so it would have to be in the theater with a, fr- a friend. Yeah, a so, male friend. A male friend to, see to the bring thread? It, to bring it all back. And I will say this before we wrap up. I I, I think, um, you know, I do have a, a different kind of more trepidatious relationship with horror now, just just being a more mature believer. Mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. like everything. I don't like demonic possession movies. I don't yeah. like things that that are evocative of of real things or, mm-hmm. or things that are. Scary. So I'm I'm a little pickier. Um, that said, I have a childhood tether to this, yeah. so it probably kind of overrides it a sure. bit more. But it is it is R rated. It's you know it's going to be bloody. It's going to be scary. So disclaimer: this is not like a blanket endorsement for yeah. people that are like at our churches that are like, oh, they love scary movies. They love seeing yeah. Stuart. Don't ghost think clowns. No, I I mean Stuart knows that I watch tons of stuff that he probably would never watch. But okay. we both like Brooklyn Nine Nine, so there's that. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Evan. Thanks for giving us your thoughts. We hope you enjoyed this episode of You Never Study Your Mind. Reminder to go to the website, like us on wherever you find it, mm-hmm. share it, tell all your friends. A and close then, male friend. <laughs> speaking of, <laughs> looking forward to next week's where we have our new yeah. sometimes segment, yeah. Ask the Expert. And this that'll encompass the whole episode. It'll be a special episode where we have Ask the Expert. And who's going to be on, Hans? Jeff Manna, weatherman, meteorologist extraordinaire. Cannot and my wait to probe his expertise. All right. See you guys next week.